give a running commentary through the message, and then we'll be done, okay? Esther chapter 2, when we come to Esther chapter number 2, we are reminded that, just give you a little introduction, the book of Esther is one of only two books in the Bible that's named after a woman, the other, of course, being the book of Ruth. It is also the only one of two books in the Bible that does not contain the name of the Lord. God is not mentioned at all in the book of Esther. Does anybody remember what other book it was? I mentioned it last week that doesn't have God's name in it. Song of Solomon, that's right, Song of Solomon. And so those are the only two books in the Bible, so that doesn't mention God's name directly. But our thought is this, even though you don't see God's name directly mentioned, you see his fingerprints all over the book of Esther. I would encourage you, if you've not read the book of Esther, it's 10 chapters, average about 20 to 25 verses a, a chapter. Uh, it'd be good maybe to take a, in a week and read two chapters a day, take you five days if you would to go through the book of Esther and read the story, especially during this series, and then we'll come in each Wednesday night and take a chapter and develop it, okay? So let's begin. Esther chapter 2, verse 1. After these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus was appeased, he remembered Vashti and what he had done and what was decreed against her. Now, verse number 1 immediately gives us a review of the events that happened in chapter number 1. You'll recall that in Esther chapter number 1, that Ahasuerus Ahasuerus conducted a feast that lasted some 180 days, and then he had another feast on top of that that lasted for seven days. And it was during this wicked feast where there was much eating, much partying, much wickedness going on. There was much consumption of alcoholic beverages, and because of the wine and because of the wickedness that was in King Ahasuerus' heart, he commanded his wife, Queen Vashti, uh, she was there at her own ladies' feast. You remember the men and the ladies did not have their feast together. They had separate feasts. And she was there being a host to those ladies. And he called for her, Vashti, to come and stand before those men so they could behold her beauty. And we emphasize the fact that this was not just for her to come and stand out there, but this was a call of a wicked deed. He wanted her to come out unclothed, only wearing the crown, so the men could lust after her and the wickedness of their of their alcoholic state and the wicked. And we reminded you that immorality always goes hand in hand with alcohol. Nothing good has ever come out of alcohol. There used to be a day when preachers preach against alcohol. But did you know there are members of the Southern Baptist Convention, preachers that are, that are, uh, that are trying to lobby that it's okay to drink a little bit of wine. By the way, it's not just Southern Baptists. It's any denomination you want to. Even, I even know some independent Baptist preachers that has moonshine up in the cabinets at their house. But it's for a cough syrup. That's what they say, but it's alcohol, it's whiskey, it's wine, and it's wicked, and God's against it, and I'm against it, amen. But Sammy Allen, he wouldn't even take NyQuil. He said, I'm a teetotaler, amen. I ain't that good, Brother Sam. If I'm sick, I'm going to take some night. Well, I, 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 me and Grace, right after we got married, we got, we got real sick probably about, uh, probably four or five months after we got married. and We were still both working a job. and So we, uh, we took night. It's before I started pastoring, so it couldn't have been long. So we, we took some night and went to bed. We woke up at 4 o'clock the next day. I said, Lord, if we as drunks, we'd be the kind of just fall asleep and just sleep all day long. Uh, so, so because of this wicked request, because of the wine and alcohol, it led to immorality. 
The king is, and because of that, the queen, she refused to obey his request. She said no, and we emphasize that Vashti is not a saved woman, if you would. She's not necessarily a believer in Jehovah, but thank God she had some character. Boy, there used to be a day in this country, still in some pockets there is, where you'll find people, they're not saved, but they have character. But sadly, those men and those ladies are getting few and far between. When Vashti rejected the king's request, he began to, uh, he actually made, we ended up chapter number one, he made a decree against her that she could no longer come before the king's presence. And so that is what leads us up in the chapter two after these things when Ahasuerus, when he remembered Vashti and what he had done and what was decreed against her. Here's what you got to notice though. Between Esther chapter one and verse 22 and Esther chapter two verse one, some four years have passed in between those two verses. During this time, the king has now, he's went and fought a battle against Greece and, and trying to take the Grecian Empire, which he failed at miserably. He come back with his tail tucked between his legs, and now he's sitting in the palace. And the Bible says he remembered Vashti and what he decreed against her. He realizes what he has done in a drunken state. By the way, regret and remorse will always follow alcohol. So I said, this is a Wednesday night. And you got a faithful crowd here and you're preaching against alcohol. Well, we got young people in here tonight. And I want to tell you, you don't ever need to touch it. You don't ever need to taste it. You don't need to get near it. If you're around somebody that has it in their refrigerator, the only reason you should touch it is to pour it out in the sink or throw it out in the yard. Amen. And if they say something, tell them the preacher told them to do it. Amen. But I'm just telling you, it is a, it is a, a wicked, wicked thing. And, and now he is, he has woken up, if you would, he's sobered up, even though it's four years later and he's realized the mistake that he made. Verse number two, then said the king's servants and ministered unto him, let there be fair young virgins sought for the king and let the kings appoint off, and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom that they may gather together all the fair young virgins unto Shushan the palace to the house of the women under the custody of Hedge the king's chamberlain keeper of the women and let the things for their purification be given them and let the maiden which pleaseth the king be queen instead of Vashti and the thing pleased the king and he did so these king's servants, they begin to notice the sadness and the regret, regret in Ahasuerus' heart and mind. And it appears he's having second thoughts about bringing Vashti back. Well, they don't want Vashti back. Here's why. It was their idea to make the law against her. They said if, she, if we bring Queen Vashti back, her first order of business is to cut our heads off. So here's what we got to do. We're going to devise a plan and we're going to get the king a new wife. Now, I understand that in Sunday school, especially when we're dealing with children, we have to be vague in some of the things. This was not a beauty contest. This was not a Miss America pageant where all the pretty girls come and stood before the king and he picked out the prettiest one that wanted world peace and all that kind of stuff. This is a very wicked thing. Very wicked thing. Now, I'll be careful in my language. I know I'm in a mixed audience, but I do want to kind of give you an insight of what was going on. They would gather up all the young virgin girls of the land. They didn't have a choice. They'd be captive. They'd be brought in. And each night, and, and read between the lines, I want to be careful, but each night the king would have a different partner. It's a w very, very wicked thing. And the next morning, she would not be able to go home. She would now become a concubine. She could never leave the palace. She could never marry. 
She could never have a family. She could never go back to her home. In fact, the king could never call for her again, and she would be confined to the palace for the rest of her life. You know, this is exactly what the devil wants to do to our young people. He wants to use them and abuse their lives and then keep them in bondage for the rest of their lives. Verse number 5, now in Shushan, the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjaminite. We're, we finally, and it's interesting, we get to two, almost chapter number 2, verse number 5, and we finally get to one of the main characters in the book of Esther, Mordecai. Mordecai is mentioned 58 times in this book. Verse number 5 gives us his name and his pedigree. He's, his name, Mordecai, means a little man. J.R., the son of J.R., means he will bring to light. The son of Shimei means the announce. And Kish means a snare or trap. And one man said, Mordecai lived up to his name. God used the little man to bring to light the wicked plot of Haman to destroy the Jews, and he was a snare unto Haman, and he was announced as a king's right-hand man in Esther chapter number 10. And so, verse number 6, we give some more insight to, uh, to, to Mordecai. The Bible said, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity, which had been carried away with Jeconiah, the king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. Now, there were three captivities that took place in Judah's history. The first captivity was in 605 B.C. This is when Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's when they were taken. That's the first captivity. It was in 605 B.C. The second captivity was in 597 B.C., just a, just a few years later. And this was during the reign of Jeconiah, and this is referred, this is the one referred here in the book of Esther when Haman, or excuse me, when, when Mordecai and Esther were taken into captivity. And then the third captivity would be a year later in 596 B.C. when Zedekiah ruled. The Babylonians were Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Where they were taken, they had it rough. They were, they were treated hard. But the Jews in, in uh, Mordecai and Esther's captivity, under the Persian, Babel, uh, Persian captivity, they were a little more lenient. In fact, lenient to the point that uh, many of the Jews prospered in Persia to the point that when God turned the captivity, many of the Jews did not even want to leave. Mordecai is such an example. He is actually working in the palace. He is not a slave. He's not a servant. He has a job. He is an officer. He's doing well. Verse number 7, he brought up Hadessa, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. We're 30 verses into the book of Esther, and we finally get to Esther. <laughs> her Hebrew name was Hadessa, which means myrtle. Her Persian name is that of Esther, which means a star. I was reading on Sunday afternoon, I thought this was interesting. The myrtle tree bears a flower that re resembles a star. And ain't it interesting that in a dark land and in a dark and wicked world of Persia where she is held captive, God brought out a star. And God, you know when stars do their best work and when it's blackest night outside. You know what we're commanded to be? We're commanded to be light. Let your light so shine before men. They may see your good works and glorify your Father that is in heaven. Preacher, I'm living in a, I work at a dark place. Where I work at, there's not many saved people. Hey, you're to be a light there. Uh, where I go to school, uh, hey, you're to be a light there. Where you do business, you're to be a light. You're to shine. That's what Esther did. 
We learn in verse number 7 that Esther was an orphan, if you would. Her mother and father had died. And so Mordecai, who was older than her, which would be her uncle, he had kind of took her in and raised her, was looking out and protecting her. Something else I want us to see in verse number 7. The Bible said that she was a virgin. She's living in a wicked land, but she was still pure. And can I say this and be kind to our young people, even though we're living in a wicked land, you can still be pure walking down the marriage aisle. It's still right. That's not a shame. I mean, that's a blessing. Hey, I understand people's made mistakes in the past, and, and thank God the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses. But I tell you, any of them that made those mistakes, they would tell young people, hey, you want to you wanna walk down that aisle pure, and you want to have a right testimony and a godly testimony, and even in a wicked land, you can have some purity and virtue about you. Virgin is not a dirty word, by the way the world's made it a dirty word verse number eight and nine so it came to pass when the king's commandment his decree was heard when many maidens were gathered together in shushan the palace to the custody of haggai that esther was brought also into the king's house to the custody of haggai keeper of the women and the maiden pleased him and she obtained kindness of him and he speedily gave her her things for purification with such things that belonged to her and seven maidens which were meet to be given her out of the king's house. And he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the women. Esther has now been brought in what is called the harem. And there there were three chambers, one for the virgins, one for the concubines who had already been with the king, and then one was set aside for the queen, whoever she might be. God allowed Esther to obtain kindness and favor with Haggai, the keeper of the women. He was a eunuch. God used this wicked man to help prepare Esther to the position where she would eventually save a nation, that being the Jew. You know, God often uses different and unlikely things in our lives to prepare you for things down the road. Think about it. What was Moses doing when God called to him? He was keeping sheep. And what did God call him to do? I need you to lead people out of Egypt. Gideon was separating wheat when God come and got him. And what did God do to his, to his army? He separated it. You got too many, Gideon. He separated it. David slew a lion and a bear before he ever slew a giant. James and John and Peter, they were fishermen before Jesus came by and made them fishers of men. Preacher, i got some unusual situations in my life. God might be using those unusual situations to prepare you for something down the road that he has a plan for you. I hope this is making sense. I know this ain't a lot of preaching. We're just going through the text tonight, going through the text. Verse number 10, Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. Now, reading behind commentators, they scold Mordecai and Esther for this. They say they shouldn't have been ashamed. But it's easy for that man sitting in his study to write that when he ain't there and his life ain't in danger. I don't believe they were trying to hide who they was. It's not like it was illegal to be a Jew. Jews were prospering. But had, had she revealed her nationality, she might not have been chosen to be the queen because why would the king want a Jew to be his queen? And so I believe that Mordecai was showing some wisdom. Verse number 11, the Bible says, And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. Mordecai's looking out for her every day. He walked out there to know how she's doing. He's not breaking any laws. That's his position. He's out there keeping an eye on her. Verse number 12, 
Now when every maid's turn was come to go into King Ahasuerus, after that she had been twelve months according to the manner of women, for so were the days of their purification accomplished, to wit six months with oil of myrrh, and six months with sweet odors, with the other things for the purifying of the women. Now let's just talk about that for a second. Before they ever came to the king, for one year they bathed in myrrh and sweet odors. Talk about a bath and body works overload. I mean, that for a year they went through all this. Verse 13, Thus came every maiden unto the king, whatsoever she desired was given to go with her, and out of the house of the women of the king's house. In the evening she went, and on the morrow she returned to the second house of the women, that being the house of the concubines, to the custody of Shagaz, the king's chamberlain, which kept the concubines. She came into the king no more. Except the king delighted in her, and she recalled by name. These women were treated very awfully. Verse 14, after all this preparation took place, one year the lady would go and spend the night with the king. We find that this was a very, very wicked and sinful scene. And we read that and we say, boy, that's, that's just wicked. But America does the same thing. Whether TV shows The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, ain't no different. Have 20 women and one dumb dude and he gets to fornicate with all of them and choose the ones he likes. America's just as wicked as the Persian Empire and Babylon, Babylonian Empire ever was. If not more wicked. What's bad is Christians watching that trash. Fornicating and adultering out and you're putting it on your TV screen. And you're allowing those things to get in your mind and you're allowing them things to get in your home. And ladies, your husband's sitting there watching that too. Amen. Verse 15 and 16, Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Ahabahel, the uncle of Mordecai, uh, who had taken for her, her his daughter, was to go into the king, she required nothing but what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. So Esther was taken to the king of Hazarus and to the house royal in the tenth month, which is the month Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. Esther's time has now come to go before the king. Now here we've got to stop and clarify some things. I've done told you what this process was and what this meant. This was not a beauty contest. I'll, I'll leave it there. Preacher, how in the world? Well, let me say this. The Bible records everything, both the good and the bad. You've got to remember that. And just because God allows things to happen does not mean that God approves of them happening. Of course the Lord does not approve of this. Why? But these aren't the Lord's people. This is the world. And, 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 you know, God allows abortions, but he don't approve of them. God allows sodomy, but he certainly does not approve of it. It's the same principle in our text. People lose their mind over this. Can't believe Esther went along with that. It's either that or die. Well, I'll tell you what I would have... No, you don't know what you would have done. You don't know what you would have done if you were in that spot. Here she is. Her mom and daddy's dead. She's in a land where she don't know anybody. All she has is her uncle. She's been brought in. And it wasn't, hey, would you like to come? They brought her by force. She's just trying to do what she can. Can I say this tonight? Sometimes in life, bad things happen. Things that ain't good. People get hurt. People get abused. People get turned on. And it's not good. 
but it's not God's fault. We'd be amazed how many people in our churches have been abused and hurt and treated wrongfully only for even preachers to cover it up. I I know of multiple, multiple situations. And what it's done, and I I don't accept this answer, but it's turned people away from the Lord. I get it. Now, it ain't the Lord's fault. But these people that's been treated wrongly, they look to the church as the representative of the Lord on earth. And they say the church has not come to the rescue and to their aid. And so they go to the world who accepts them, who wants to help them, and they find a home there. And I want to emphasize once again, we do not put up with sin. God forbid if there's fornication, adultery, we're going to deal with it. You, and, and, and we have dealt with it before. So I said, well, I didn't know about it. We dealt with it privately. Because it didn't need to be brought before the church at that time. And, and let me say this too. God help if somebody ever messes with a child or a young person here. Uh, we will not shuffle them off to another church in Florida. Which is the kind of the running thing to do in the independent Baptist movement apparently. We will not shuffle them off. My motto is if they live, the cops can have what's left. Amen. I'm just telling you. And, 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 we got, and, 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 and let me say this tonight. You never know who in your congregation has dealt with those things. But, but God may allow some bad things to happen. But God's not behind the evil that's been done to you. God's above it. God's not behind it. God's above it. And, you're, and you may have been abused. You may have been treated wrongly. It may not have been in a church setting. It may have been in a home. I know people don't like to talk about this, but it happens. And God's not behind it. God's above it. And it's not your fault. God loves you and God cares about you. And you can get that thing under the blood and move on. And not let that thing torment you and hold you the rest of your life. Verse 17, And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the crown royal upon her head, and he made her queen instead of Vashti. The king approved and loved Esther above all the other women. I truly believe that it was more than a uh, sensual love. I I believe he saw something in, in Esther that he loved. And we'll see this later in the book. Verse 18, and by the way, don't you see God working behind the scenes here? Out of all the women, all the virgins he could have chose, he chose Esther. Verse 18, Then the king made a great feast unto all the princes and his servants, even Esther's feast, and made them release to the provinces and gave gifts according to the state of the king. <laughs> Old Hazarus, he, this is the fourth feast this fellow thrown. This fellow liked to have parties. In fact, there was, I think there was like ten in the book of Esther. And he's, he found him a new wife. And he has a celebration and they throw a feast. This actually resembles the year of Jubilee to the Jew. All debts were released. Servants and slaves were set free. And everybody's excited about the queen's new position. Verse 19 and 20, we're almost done. And when the virgins were gathered together the second time, then Mordecai sat in the king's gate. And Esther had not showed her kindred nor her people as Mordecai had charged her. For Esther did the commandment of Mordecai like as when she was brought up with him. Cousin Mordecai throughout this entire book is keeping a watch on his young niece Esther. Who's now queen over the land. He's continued to give her counsel. He said don't reveal yourself yet. You see it's not always good to tell everything you know at one time. 
God's got timing. God's got a plan. You've got to wait. Waiting time is not wasted time. Now, let's conclude verses 21 through 23. In those days, while Mordecai sat in the king's gate, two of the king's chamberlain, Big Fan and Teresh, of those which kept the door, were wroth and sought to, slay king, sought to lay hand on King Ahasuerus. And the thing was known unto Mordecai, who told it to Esther the queen. And Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name. When the inquisition was made of the matter, it was found out. Therefore, they were both hanged on a tree as it was written in the book Chronicles before the king. And I don't know about you, as I'm reading the book of Esther and I'm going through this story, this just comes out of nowhere. These three verses don't fit in what's going on. They don't fit in the celebration. Here's what's going on. Let me give you this and I'm done. I hope this ain't boring, okay? That's one of my biggest fears. I don't want to bore you to tears. There's a lot of worse way, a lot of bad ways to die, but the worst way to die is being preached to death. It's, it's okay. Say amen, all right? I mean, I have sat there saying, God, please, make him stop. <laughs> Some of y'all are praying that now, okay? I'm at 24 minutes. It's 8.52. I'm, or 7.52. I'm fixing to be done. My clock ain't changed up here yet. Here's what's going on. There's two individuals named Big Fan and Terish. Big Fan. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but I was like, sound like a, sound like a gang name, Big Fan and Terish. These men, these two men were eunuchs. They come, become angry towards the king, and they plan an assassination to kill the king. We don't know how Mordecai found out about it, but Mordecai finds out about it, and he goes and tells the queen, who happens to be his little niece, and she goes and reports the plot. And they were found out and they were killed. They were hung in a tree, the Bible says. They were most likely impaled. That was the practice of the Persians. Now, what's that got to do with anything? What's that got to do with the price of eggs in China? Set it to the side. Because God's going to make this little, this little story that we think might be insignificant and it don't fit. God's going to make this little three verses stand out real big here in the book of Esther in a little while. Here's my, here's my point. What is this situation? Why has God got this in my life? Oh, just wait. God's going to use that. God's going to use that somewhere down the road. And you've got to keep coming back on Wednesday nights because I ain't going to tell you unless you read the book of Esther what happens because we're reading the story, all right? You can't, you can't, we ain't going to the back of the book, all right? But here's, here's I want to give you three practical lessons from Esther 2 and we're done. Here's the first thing. God can work through bad situations. Mordecai's a captive. Esther's a captive. They're brought to a land where they don't know the language, don't know the culture, don't know the people. But you know what God's doing even if you don't see Him? God's working. You might be in some bad situations, but God's working behind the scene. Number two, bad things happen in life. Esther put in a bad position that no young lady should ever be put in. But God worked out that problem. And number three, there will be a payday someday. Here's what I mean by that. Mordecai instructs the king, instructs Esther about the assassination plot on the king. And the assassination is stopped. It doesn't go through. But you know what never happens in this chapter? Mordecai has never said, hey, thank you. Nobody ever told Mordecai, thank you for, for finding out about that plot. But here in a little while, the king is going to be not able to sleep one night. And see, Mordecai didn't realize it, but his little act, his little deed had been recorded somewhere. And when the king wanted it, he found it. Preacher, nobody sees what I'm doing for the Lord. Nobody sees what I'm doing for the king. Oh, it's recorded. 
Nobody sees that little class that I'm teaching. Nobody saw that gospel track I gave out. Oh, but there's a record being kept. God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love as you minister to the saints. God's keeping a record. You've got to stay with me in the book of Esther to find out how it goes or read on. But I'll tell you what God's doing. You don't see it in Esther chapter 2. You don't see it. You see a lot of wickedness, a lot of cruelty going on. But what you don't see is God working behind the scenes orchestrating things, pulling things together. And you may not always see God working in your life immediately, but standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. Amen. I appreciate your attention tonight. Let's gather around the altars. We'll have a time of prayer, closing prayer tonight before we go home. Let's remember these requests that's been mentioned. Pray that God would touch and help these situations.